Hey listeners, it's Leanne and Blair, your hosts for If This Spark Could Talk. We're doing things a little differently this week. Um, this past weekend, we visited the Bourbon Festival in New Orleans, which was amazing. We so, were there. So fun. Yeah. We were there to as vendors to sell our game, the Bourbon Run, which is our bourbon trivia board game. You can buy it online at the Bourbon Run game.com yeah and since we were going to be there we bought tickets to this dinner um, where I had thought we were going to be able to have dinner with Fawn Weaver Um, it was the dinner for Uncle Nearest and it was really cool it was um, billed as you know Uncle Nearest cocktails at at the pub Pelican Club. The Pelican Club, yes. The food was amazing. So they paired these great cocktails made with uh, Uncle Nearest whiskey uh, and then also had just neat, Uncle Nearest neat with some of the... But anyway, it was it was really amazing. The food and cocktails were amazing. The whiskey was amazing. Uh, but we when we got there, we found out that Fawn Weaver would not be there because she was stuck at an event in uh, New York City which was a real bummer because I kind of have a girl crush on her. I've been following her work, and she's just really amazing. If you don't know who Fawn Weaver is, you can Google her. She's an author, um, but she is the person who uncovered the true story of uh, Nathan Green. Um, so and we'll get back to that in just a second. But uh, So we, we got to know her brand ambassadors, um, Richie and Steve, and then we started talking to Sherry Moore, who is in charge of production for the Uncle Nearest uh, Whiskey, who is an amazing person. She's an amazing storyteller. She was really generous with her time. Um, and she had invited us to, um, to take a trip to the nearest green or the Uncle Nearest farm um the next day so the next day we go to a seller game at the seminars for the uh bourbon festival and fawn weaver is there doing a talk and showing her short film um on nearest green and uh we will post um, the link to that short film in the bio on SoundCloud of this uh, podcast. So if you go to SoundCloud, look for this podcast, we'll call it um, Uncle Nearest or something like that. But it's also at nearestgreen.com. Yeah, nearestgreen.com. And you can find it uh, at, uh, I found it on vimeo.com. Um, anyway, it's really great, a really touching story. So uh, make sure you give that a listen. We'll also post some pay, uh, pictures on our on our site. If I didn't and say it's that, it's just it's beautifully shot. It's narrated by Jeffrey Wright. It's just really really nicely done. It's a great little short film, about ten minutes long. Yeah. So we go. We listen to Fawn Weaver speak, which was amazing. I really wanted to get my picture taken with her, but um, there were like tons of people there, and I didn't want to bother. Plus, we needed to get our drink on at that point. <laughs> so well, <yeah. laughs> so the next day um we call Sherry and we we go to uh Lynchburg just outside of Lynchburg 
Tennessee and she gives us an amazing tour of the farm where Jack Daniels was raised and where uh, Nathan Green taught Jack Daniels how to distill. So uh, Nathan Green and Jack Daniels were, were friends and Jack Daniel was friends with, uh, with Nathan Green's children. Um, Nathan Green was not Jack Daniel's slave, nor was he um, Dan Call's slave, who was the, the owner of the farm. When Jack Daniel came to live with them, um, he, Nathan Green was a, a, a free man. Um, if you watch the video, which I highly encourage, um, the actor is walking at the beginning of the film, the actor is walking towards a white house. That's the house that we were in. And we actually stood in the room where, um, Jack Daniels was raised, which was pretty cool. There's also a nice scene outside where you see a creek and that is where they got their water source. And that's also where in the clip that you'll hear later, uh, when we're interviewing Sherry, it starts pouring. And so we're listening to, you'll, you'll hear, <laughs> you'll hear the rain come down and we kind of run back for her car. Yeah. So we apologize for the sound quality of this. Um, we're not going to edit it too much though. We're just going to let it go um, as is because I just think it was a great experience. And um, so there is going to be some hail hitting the uh, windshield and a lot of rain and um, not the most perfect sound quality, but um, give it a listen and please share this story, share the, uh, the video uh, of the story of Uncle Nearest. It's a very touching story and they really want to get the word out and we want to help them because it's a beautiful story. And though in this podcast, we usually, uh, as you know, interview bartenders. Um, we thought this was so important that we just wanted to take this opportunity to to do the podcast telling this story. I think we should also mention uh, she's super humble, but what a rock star in the whiskey business this that is Sherry Moore. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, she wouldn't didn't tell us. Uh, we learned from the brand ambassador, Richie, that she actually ran Jack Daniels. Uh, she For worked, over 30 years. Yeah, and I mean, you've never heard that. Um, I've never heard about that in the Jack Daniels story. Um, just as you never heard of Nearest Green in the Jack Daniels story until now. Um, but it's just odd how some things were left out based on the times, you know? I mean, things are yeah. changing now. And as yeah. you'll hear Sherry say in the, in the film uh, or in the footage... Um, the, it was she doesn't think it was intentional. It was just, you know, now, now it's cool to have a female distiller, but back then it wasn't, it wasn't as cool. So, you know, times they are changing and, and that's a great thing. And, and Sherry was really generous with her time as well. She, um, after we visited the house, um, she took us to the, uh, 270 acre, um, horse farm where the they're building the Uncle Nearest distillery. They don't have a uh, distillery yet. They're sourcing barrels and they uh, they blend 300 barrels. Sherry does that, and then they're they're bottling their whiskey um, that's aged 
eight to 11 years. Um, it's a delicious whiskey. We should mention it really that as well. It really was wonderful. So bartenders, grab yourself a bottle of um, Uncle Nearest 1856. Uh, it makes makes really delicious cocktails. Um, and they're breaking ground on the their distillery, I think, in the fall. So it's gonna it's huge. So it's gonna take a while to finish that, but definitely uh, keep an eye out for that. The house that we visited that is not gonna be open to the public. Um, so we feel very fortunate that we got the opportunity um, to visit that. But um, I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. Sherry Moore, and I'm director of whiskey operations with Uncle Nearest. This home was the Dan Call original farmhouse. The Weavers purchased it in the fall of 2016 and began the renovation of it. There was a wall here where we're standing, and it had a plastic faux rock covering to it <laughs> and a gas stove to it. Wall was taken down. This fireplace was discovered. It was taken down. All the rocks were numbered and then built back up. Oh, wow. It's a beautiful rock fireplace. Beautiful. So you've got on this side and this side. They had kitchen cabinets in here. We took those down just to go back to the period it was. Layers of, of wallpaper were taken down and got to the raw wood. Here's an example of one of the layers of wallpaper. Oh, wow. Let me take a picture of that. These shelves were boards that we found in the barn down there, and those are uh, wood from teams of mules. And bales, so that all came from here. So Nearest Green actually lived in, in this house. He did not live in this house, but okay. we'll go later and see where I think okay. where we think he lived. Okay. Now we enclosed this, so we had more room. But this was what they had in the south. Most of them called a sleeping porch. So in the summer when it was hot, they would come out here and it would be screened and people would sleep outside for the fresh air, but we've enclosed it. This would have been the sleeping porch. One thing you'll notice is that the staircase right here that goes into this room. Okay. It had, we could find where it was, but it had been removed. So we rebuilt that to the original. And we'll go upstairs now. We think this was the parents' bedroom here. And that was more of the sitting room. We could be wrong. That could have been a bedroom. Okay. But we will head upstairs. You can see where this doorway was cut out. What they did back then, at least in Lynchburg and Moore County, is you would have a girl's room and a boy's room. But when you got upstairs, they could not connect. And we just think it is where uh, they never knew who was going to live with them. Okay. So that way they had the males and the females separated. <laughs> when the last owners bought it, they opened this up and we kept it open. 
we've left some of the wallpaper here. And you can see the old newspapers that were used. Oh, wow. So that's 18. That's so cool. That is cool. So just covered it up and you want to take it all down. Required information. Oh, yeah. So that was the DH call. So somebody was in here playing as a little boy. I oh, think we know who that little boy was. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. We think that Jack. was Jack. Yes. <laughs> so Jack lived here. Yes, Jack lived here. Uh, Uncle Nearest didn't, but Jack lived here. Uh, and just to go back, Jack left home when he was uh, about five. Went to live with his uncle Felix Wagner because he didn't like his stepmother. Good relationships with his family. We wanted to list them somewhere different. Dan Call was visiting Felix and asked if the little boy was. And he said, it's my nephew. He's coming to live here. And Dan Call at that time didn't have any children, but they had a store the farm and the distillery. He said if he comes to live with me, he can help with the store and learn about business and he can work on the farm. So that's how he got here. Wow. Why is it like on the historic register, a national historic register, anything like that, do you think? I don't think anybody's applied for it. Okay. And I think the other one is they focus so much on where he built his distillery, where he held his big barbecues, he bought Cumberland Springs. So it was a little more emphasis on his adult years. Okay. And I think it might have been different if he had lived with his family in the Daniel mm -hmm. home place. It might have been different. Because even though he lived here, he was still seeing his family and visiting them. And still, you know, he didn't have a bad relationship with them, but he grew up here. Yeah, okay. So this farm is 313 acres, so it goes up over that hill. Oh, wow. Over to the left and then behind. Oh, my. But it's a large farm. And this water here, part of it's going to be coming from the spring that we're going to go see. It's a lovely home, though, isn't it? It is beautiful. Floors are great. Well, here are some of the pictures that you saw in the video that you watched. Oh, yeah. Now, this is Miss Margaret Tolly. So this has been Lynn's mother okay. who ran the boarding house after my great-grandmother. And this is Deal, 
who helped raise Lynn and helped Miss Margaret, but they became great friends. And she also, she was a cook at the boarding house for my great-grandmother. So that's Annabelle, the Keller Mammy. She was Annabelle Green, that's when she turned 90. But these are just family pictures. But she captured some of the best. Yeah, she really did. What is the, is it a near, uh, UncleNearest.com? Is that where the short film is, or is it? Nearestgreen.com. Nearestgreen.com, okay. Here's another picture of uh, Miss Margaret and Miss Dale. And this is Buzz Edie. He and I worked together for over 25 years. And he was nearest Green's great grandson. So where did you work? Where, where, where you I worked at Jack Daniels. I started in 1975 and stayed there for over 31 years. And what was your position there? Started making lemonade and ended as director of whiskey production. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So here's the faux rock. <laughs> oh, wow. So you can kind of, that's a good picture to see the difference on how they have it looking now. So Richie told me he, at the dinner that we were at, he leaned over and he said, he said, Sherry is very humble. She really ran Jack Daniels. She was a major, major deal at Jack Daniels. You know, it's hard to say you're a major deal, but I was, uh, I had about eight departments. I had over a third of the employees there, but we, it was from the start of making the charcoal, ordering the corn, and then I had environmental and QC in the barrel warehousing. I had uh, processing, quality control for both areas. So it ended up, and charcoal mellow, ended up being very broad, but it all tied in that it made sense to have it under one person, mm -hmm. especially one person as old as I was. Had <laughs> been around as long as I had. So this eventually will be like uh, the museum. This, right now, they're gonna be people in the trade. This would be maybe opened up once a month and the Green family may be here. Okay. Bartenders, anybody in the industry okay. will be able to come here and visit. Nice. But want to keep it something a little more special than just open up, like for a visitor center or mm -hmm. anybody coming. There could be, as we open our distillery, there could be tiered tours. Okay. to where you can see that the new distillery and also be able to come over here. Okay. So we're going, where are you taking us now, the spring? We're going to the original spring for the first Jack Daniel whiskey distillery. And it was the Dan Call distillery before uh, he purchased from, before Jack purchased from Dan Call. So why do you think, um, did the Jack Daniels company didn't uh, like make a big deal of Nearest Green until the story was uncovered by Fawn or whomever? I think for the people in Lynchburg, we knew the story and so used to it, we took it for granted. Okay. And then I think the ones in marketing and uh, up hiring the company and the corporate, 
they were just a little distance from it okay. and not realizing the significance it gotcha. could have. But I don't think anything was done deliberate. It was just what can happen in a large company sure. when there's a lot going on. And then what do you think Fawn and Keith wanted people to know about Uncle, Uncle Nearest? I think that they wanted to make sure he was honored because he did this work. He was skilled at what he did, but he lived at a time where he could not get any recognition. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to go back and kind of correct history. Right. Well, that's amazing. Yes. All right, let's get up and look at this before it starts pouring. We may not make it to the top. Yeah, I think we we'll did. <laughs> Should we bail? But there's a path. So they capture the water here. This is limestone, iron-free water. And it's a good flow, but Jack Daniels knew that it would not sustain a lot of growth, which is why he moved to the location he has today. Yeah, the rain didn't want to wait. Uh-uh. <laughs> Although I feel like this truck would make it up there. <laughs> Probably would. It narrows at the top. Yeah. ran an article about Nearest Green and Fawn read the article and that was in June of 2016. So for her 40th birthday she wanted to come to Lynchburg and research the story because she felt like if it was a relationship of love and honor then she wanted to make sure that a book was written about this. Okay. So that's what they came for. Now this road is probably the road that carried whiskey out of here, rather than coming through the farm. Okay. This leads up to a hill, so this is probably where mules with wagons took whiskey out of here. And you can see there's some structures here. Uh -huh. 
we really are thinking that the distillery was probably closer to the spring and this is, could have been where Nearest Green actually lived. Okay. Because he would have lived near the distillery. Took a vacation to Lynchburg and she started doing a bunch of research and found out that it was in fact a story of love, friendship, family, because he taught Jack Daniels how to distill. He taught Jack Daniels how to distill and how to make whiskey. And then he was named the original master distiller for yes. the distillery. And that's recorded. Yeah. So that's where it's never been hidden from Moore County. It was just the rest of the world. They didn't know. So they were here on day one. My cousin met them and she was going out of town and so she got me connected with them and she said I want you to make sure that they meet the right people and you need to take them to see. I was doing real estate. I retired from Jack Daniels who was selling real estate. So I showed this piece of property to them and also it helped make sure they got the right phone numbers and connections with people while they were here. They ended up buying the farm on day five, we had an accepted contract for them to buy the farm. So what are the odds that you would be coming to do research on the first distiller of Jack Daniels and your realtor happens to be the person who used to run Jack Daniels? I think That's it's amazing. very slim. I think it's very slim. Wow. I don't know what sounds funnier is when I tell people that I had a, a real estate client that wanted to start a distillery, or when they tell people that they've got a real estate agent that used to be the director of whiskey production. <laughs> kind of sounds funny from both ends. That's amazing. So you'll eventually uh, build the distillery here on this property? No, we're going to build in Shelbyville. Shelbyville, okay. We have a 270-acre horse farm in Shelbyville. And we're keeping most of the original structures there and restoring the ones and we're converting the big sale barn over into the visitor center. We're in the process, I almost finished the hay barn and it's gonna be where we're gonna do our first bottling and also where we'll store barrels long term. Are y'all gonna come through there on your way to Nashville? I don't know, are we? We go that direction. You go yeah. that direction. Yeah. So you're welcome to stop by there. Okay. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. You can see our before. And then come back and see the after. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So um, some of the Green family hit some nearest Green's descendants still work at Jack Daniels, yes. is that right? Yes, uh, I know of three. And I've been gone a while, but I know of three that are still there. And Jack Daniels, is it Jack Daniels that pays for his descendants' college education and all that? Or No, it's the uh, Nearest Green Foundation oh, that the okay. Weavers started. Wow, that's amazing. So Keith and Vaughn Weaver started a foundation for the Nearest Green family for college. That's amazing. Good for them. They're, what nice people they are. They are very nice, but they want them... Part of it is to be reminded of who they descend from. Yeah. A man that was uh, a craftsman at, at this industry, but lived at a time to where nobody uh, would have 
giving him a loan for his own distillery. That's amazing. What a beautiful story it is. Proud to be part of it. So you've come out of retirement so you can help them. Uh, yes, and I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and how many Most industries, if you've been out of it for 10 years, it would be hard to get back in the industry, and I've been out for 10 years. But on the whiskey industry, I just start calling people and all the contacts I had, they're still there. So the company that we're gonna use for building our distillery, the building and putting in the equipment, they're a fourth generation company out of Kentucky that's been in the whiskey industry for four generations. Ben Domes is making our distill, uh, distillery equipment. They're a fourth generation company and some of the equipment for handling barrels is Mac Manufacturing. It's a three generation. So, and the, the other things that don't change are the wood and the aging. So there's really not been anything that has changed in this industry. I feel like I missed anything in 10 years. The only thing that has changed in the time I was gone, when I left, they didn't want anybody to know there was a woman that was the director of whiskey operations. Oh they kind of hid that fact. And now the cool thing is to have a woman in the whiskey industry. Oh, that's so great. Exactly, yeah. That's amazing. Wow, it is really So you never really retired then if you were a real estate agent. You just didn't work I, in whiskey I just anymore. didn't work in the whiskey industry. So what is your favorite part of the whiskey business? Uh, the, all the unknowns. It is science, and I love the science chemistry background, but I like trying to discover how many things we don't know. What's the effect of the season during aging? How long you let the wood stay out before you make a barrel? The difference between a barrel made with uh, 12 month wood versus 24 month old wood. That's tail now. Yep. all these years there are still a lot of unknowns in the still whiskey Still a lot of unknowns. That's where the art, that's where the craft comes in. Too many variables to, to be able to do the test that you need. You're always going to need people there that study it and are testing and trying things, trying to make that best whiskey and find that sweet spot. And you told it. You told a story at the dinner the other night that I didn't realize. Uh, you know, all the just many distilleries take their yeast mash and they use it to feed their cattle. Yes. And yes. what happens to the fat? Uh, it's uh, the mash, the leftover. We call it slop here. Yes. But the spit stillage, we sell the farmers and they feed. It is wonderful feed, high quality. 
good price, but it will turn the fat yellow and the farmers will have to take it off the swap and put it on a pure grain and the fat will turn back white and that way it'll grade out. But the slop is good to put on the on the uh, weight on the cattle at a cheap price. Does anyone else in your family work in the whiskey business? No, I'm the only you. one. Only one. And so, when you went to college for your degree in chemical engineering, did you intend to be in the whiskey business? No, no, had no intention. But it's all worked out just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> There's a book by Malcolm Gladware called The Outlier, and he talks about the importance of being at the right place at the right time, uh -huh. and I'm an example of those, that yeah. kind of person. And I really didn't uh, do chemical engineering. I did some engineering and I did chemistry. And then I basically raked all of it together just to get out. <laughs> but it gave me a good background. Even though I did not intend to work here, it gave me a good background uh, for a small company where you're doing many functions like in QC. Because you can get so specialized that you lose common sense. And I never got so specialized in my studies that I, that I lost sight of just plain common sense and natural curiosity about several things. So I'm curious to know too, when when you showed up to show uh, Fawn and Keith Wheeler the property, how did you make the connection that they were interested in whiskey? Like how did you say, oh well it just so happens I was in the... It just came up in conversation and they their only intent was for her to write a book. It, it was several months and at the kind of the urgent of the Green family. Ask them, what could we do to honor your uh, relative? What do you think would make uh, Nearest the happiest? And they said to see his name on a bottle. And they, Keith and Fawn, they discussed it and decided that that would be one of the best ways to honor him and to get his name out there, even maybe more so than the book. They still plan to do the book. She's looking for some more answers and even been approached, even though the book's not out, they've also been approached about a movie. So that there could be a movie. movie. So between the whiskey, the book, and the movie, there won't be many people that don't know Nears Green. Oh, that's great. As it should be. Right? As it should be. So who do you think will play you in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be more focused on them. I don't well, know if it'll be gotta, much of us. they got to bring it full circle. And yeah, do. I'm kind of a background person. <laughs> How many people are in the company? Right now, we probably have uh, 15. Well, that's pretty large. Yes, yes. and some of them are, are kind of part-time, but we've got people out on the field. We've got Atlanta, and we've got Jay down there, and he is going into places, even though he's not full-time. There's such a passion with the whole team to get his name known. Yeah. I'm going to take y'all now to the cemetery, and this is where we can't, I say we, I didn't do any research. Fawn has researched, hired people for research, and have not found where Nearest Green was buried. But we have a cemetery where some of his descendants have buried here in Lynchburg. So she's put up a memorial 
for him. So there is a place to honor him, even though we don't know if this is where he was buried. That's so peculiar that she can't find any record of his death or where he's buried. And he mm -hmm. was he was very famous here at Lynchburg. Very well right? known here. It's like he just disappeared. So this is his granddaughter's house. And before this road was cut in, this is a new, you know, it's probably uh, 60 or 70 years old, but we still call it the new road to Pebble <laughs> Highway 55. This land went across here. And when they put the road in, this land was owned by Lim Motlow, which is Jack's uh, nephew that took over the distillery. Uh -huh. And you can see where he deeded this to Mammy. Oh. He, this was the Annabelle Edie. Okay. That we saw the picture there. Yeah. He deeded to her and it's still in the family. But there's no money exchange, but it was just one of those. So it just shows that that wasn't just Jack and Nearest that had that relationship. It was multi-generation. Oh, that's amazing. Big traffic jam in Lynchburg. <laughs> <laughs> Leechburg has one stoplight and we tried for a few years to have a second stoplight here and it caused more trouble so <laughs> every once in a while it's needed but it never could justify we wanted to be a two stoplight or traffic light town but we could not make it I always want to mention this is JB and LB they are twins. They work for me at Jake Daniels. Identical twins. They dressed alike every day. They both drove barrel trucks. And their homes are exactly alike except they're mirror images. Oh, my gosh. So that their carports so face each other. <laughs> so, Miss Deal that we saw in the picture with uh, Miss Margaret Tolley, uh -huh. that's their, uh, that was their mother. Uh, it's Miss Deal's two twins, JB and LB. And Jack Daniel did not have children, is that right? He did not have children. But nearest had three. three. So here is, and Keith and Fawn had the fence put up, rock work, and all this added. It's so wonderful of them to do that. So the Foss here, it has um, charcoal in it. So uh -huh. I had delivered the charcoal to go in there because he's known for the charcoal mellowing. And then they've got the inscription there, the best whiskey you wear, uh, maker the world ever knew. That's sweet. So he created the Lincoln County process? Yes. You know, there's a little debate on whether he created or perfected. Okay. But he was at least known for protecting perfecting it. There are some records of other um, charcoal filtration going on in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. but it's not really documented, so it's one of the unknowns. So, we will drive by Jack's. If we drive by nearest, we need to drive by Jack's here.
We saw Uncle Nearest and we're here to see you, Uncle Jack. <laughs> Those chairs were put there. So his girlfriends could come um, have a sit and visit <laughs> with him. That's funny. I actually thought his stone would be larger. nice that Nearest Memorial is larger than, than Jack's. It is larger. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So were they friends throughout their life, always? As far as I know, in the end, of course, his sons. Mm. His sons were probably a little uh, closer in age to him. Okay. Because Nearest would have been 20, 30 years older, right? I think so. Again, we don't have the records, but that's what people surmise. You don't have the records because they burned, or people didn't make records of their slaves. Uh, it was considered personal property. But he wasn't a slave to Jack Daniels. He was never a slave to Jack Daniels. Okay. And Dan Call did not own him. Dan Call rented him okay. because of his skills. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Sherry Moore. Apologies for being all over the place in the interview, but we had a long weekend and did a lot of drinking, so uh, we were kind of recovering still. So, But I think it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, and, and shout out to Sherry, and thank you for tolerating us and showing us around and helping us learn more about Nearest. Yeah, and get a bottle of Nearest, Uncle Nearest, 1856. Cheers. Cheers.